This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, midweek Wednesday afternoon, August 16th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. There are some important things you need to consider when buying an electric car. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, data on housing and industrial production is out. While there's continuing speculation about what the Fed will do next month, joining us now on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Andrew. Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and Economic Futurist at AndrewBush.com, based in Chicago. Andy, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Let's talk about some economic futurism. Specifically, will the Fed raise interest rates in the month of September? And uh, looking into the uh, CME's uh, Magic 8-Ball, a.k.a. the FedWatch tool, uh, doesn't look very likely. Yeah, I caution everybody about that because the market's have been completely wrong about the reserve for at least 12 to 18 months. Most people were at the beginning of uh, 2023 were saying they were going to cut rates by the end of the year. That isn't happening. So you got to be really you're looking at that data. It only shows the market sentiment. And what I would say right now is this: the Fed has no idea what they're going to do into the future. They're just data dependent. And as long as inflation stays relatively robust and the economy is growing strongly, they have to stay at minimum on maybe raise rates two or three more times. We're talking to economist uh, Andy Bush about the uh, possibility of an interest rate hike in September. The Fed minutes do come out later today. What will the Fed watchers, what are they looking for? What type of language are they are, are they trying to seek out in uh, getting an idea of whether there will be an interest rate hike next month? Yeah, they're trying to extract any kind of language that's wait and see, you know, um, caution, you know, any of those kind of words out there um, in that report would likely give people the indication that the Fed is not going to raise rates in September. And honestly, the Fed could just sit on its hand for one month for sure. But um, we know CPI has come off almost half from the peak. I mean, it would peaked at nine percent. Now it's at, you know, you know, four or three percent. Um, but the core is still at 4.7%. So it, it's going down, but it's not going down at the pace that the Fed needs to have it to, to at least hold off on raising interest rates. And I would say this, if their target is 2%, they're way far away from that. So we'll see how that plays out. But right now, what we're seeing is a lot of questions about the housing market. Um, we had home, building, uh, conf- home builder confidence weakened in August for the first time this year. Um, that's that's where the rubber meets the road when it comes to housing. 
Um, it, the interest rates are now above 7% and mortgages above 7%. So that's going to weigh on that market. The, uh, the the data points coming out of the housing market are here, there, and everywhere. You do have signs of uh, confidence lagging in the housing market and that uh, home buyers are definitely cautious in the face of higher mortgage rates. And yet housing starts jumped more than expected last month. Yeah, there's a dearth of homes available for sale. In other words, anybody who got a 3% mortgage back in 21 isn't going to sell their house because it's doubled. Now it's gone up to 7% if you're going to go out and get a new 30-year. So that means people are sitting on their homes. That means the availability of homes has gone down, and home builders should be building a lot of homes because of that. But here's, here's where I think this is going to play out. I think in about 12 months' time, as these builders get that product to market, you're going to start to see the housing market really shift uh, prices-wise down. And I also think at the same time, you'll see interest rates start to come down. So that's really good news for people who are looking to buy a home. Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and Economic Futurist at andrewbush.com, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, what you need to know before buying an electric vehicle. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and if you go past a gas station, you know the price of gas is a lot higher than it used to be, and it may make you take a second look at that electric car. Let's discuss some of the the things you want to think about before making that purchase with Jeff Gilbert, CBS News automotive reporter based in Detroit. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. And let's begin, you know, it's the first anniversary of the signing of the Inflation Reduction Act. And let's kind of do a rundown of some of the uh, tax incentives that are available to you if you purchase an electric vehicle. Well, the tax incentives are, of course, from the government, so they're confusing. Uh, you can get up to $7,500 in federal incentives, but a lot depends on what the vehicle costs, where the vehicle is made, what your income is, whether it's an SUV or whether it's a passenger car. And that's the simplified version. And and, and you better hope that uh, your salesperson is up to speed on all those uh, relevant uh, tax incentives and credits uh, for you uh, when you're purchasing the car. And you got to do your homework as well. Exactly, because the, the curveball can be your own personal income, because obviously in a city like Chicago, which has a higher cost of living, people are going to make more, but the tax incentives don't take that into account. So, you know, you would get the same tax incentive for the same income, whether you live in Chicago or whether you live in a rural area. So that's something that could could actually hit a lot of people hard in more expensive urban areas. And you also have to consider the total cost of ownership. And that is a little different compared to uh, the math you used to do with an internal combustion engine, because you got to factor in the fact that uh, you're not stopping at the gas station anymore. Right. You're not stopping at the gas station. You're recharging at home. And uh, it, it depends on what your utilities charge. In general, recharging on electricity will cost you less. Also, you've got less maintenance. So that takes takes a chunk of things out of there. You don't need an oil change or certain other fluids you don't need to change. But obviously, there are other updates that, that you do need to look at. And you know, in, in many cases, you might want to look at a lease because just like a cell phone, the technology is changing very quickly. And if you have a three-year lease at the end of that three years, there may be something even better out there in the way of an EV. And you got to stay on top of uh, your battery's health and your battery's range. 
range because it's all well and good to have an electric car, but I'm guessing it becomes a real drag if you have to charge it constantly. There was a study from J.D. Power released today, and that is the main thing that is keeping people from buying electric cars. And here is a figure that blew me away. The adoption of EVs is coming three times as fast as the building of an EV charging infrastructure. So charging is causing more and more complaints because there's more competition and and the charging infrastructure hasn't been able to keep up. We're talking with CBS News Automotive correspondent Jeff Gilbert. The other thing, and this is for people who uh, are used to internal combustion engine cars and may not maybe getting behind the wheel of, a, of an electric vehicle for the very first time uh, if they're going on a test drive or something like that, is it's remarkable how different the electric vehicle interface driving experience is compared to a standard car. Because I got into a Tesla a couple of months ago and I thought, oh, great, this is cool. My first EV experience and there are no gauges, there's no shifter, you don't even know how to turn the car on, and everything goes out of an iPad, and the only thing I knew how to do intuitively was tune to the local Odyssey news station. So if you're test driving a, a, an electric vehicle, get ready for that, uh, for, I would call it like a, a technology shock. Well, particularly if you're driving a Tesla, because Tesla likes to do everything different. If you're buying a Ford Mustang Mach-E or, or one of the coming EVs from General Motors, they look a lot more like a conventional vehicle. And, uh, you know, in terms of luxury vehicles, uh, a Mercedes EV or a BMW EV, I mean, you feel like you're manning the helm of the Starship Enterprise. But at the end of the day, it does drive like a different car. So Tesla is different than everybody else, and, and they like to be Tesla, and they like to show the world they're a tech company, not a car company. And then lastly, when you're uh, factoring in the cost of ownership, you should probably consider the call to the electrician to rewire your garage so you can actually charge it at home. Yeah, I mean, I, I test drive vehicles, so I plug in with a wall charger, and I like to say yeah, it works, but it's like filling up a glass of water with an eyedropper. You really do need a 240-volt charger, and, and again, your expense for that will vary based on how old your house is and, and what kind of electrical work needs to be done. Jeff Gilbert, CBS News Automotive Correspondent based in Detroit. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the latest numbers on television use are quite eye-opening. Conver- Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Data from Nielsen reveals the decline of traditional TV. Let's check out the latest numbers with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Verter Group based in Chicago. Tim, thank you for joining us today. According to Nielsen's share of TV viewing, uh, traditional broadcast and cable TV fell below 50% last month for the first time in the history of the medium with streaming uh, eating up and increasing a much larger slice of that pie. What does this mean for the television content business going forward? How does this change the economics of the industry? Yeah, look, that's, uh, Rob, is extraordinary. Uh, July uh, of this year, which, you know, cyclically uh, tends to be July in the summer, uh, lower television consumption uh, periods of time for obvious reasons. People are outside doing other things, not watching TV. Um, but it is striking uh, that uh, the linear television proposition, broadcast TV, the CBSs, the NBCs, the local channels, uh, and cable, cable networks, uh, Disney Channel, et cetera, um, are now comprising 
less than half of total television and or better view uh, video viewership. Um, it's never happened before. Uh, streaming is continuing to grow. Uh, and it's, it's very clear that the economics of the television slash video industry uh, are evolving uh, perhaps a little faster than people can figure it out. And you layer in some, actually many of the various issues around the, uh, the two strikes now that bedevil Hollywood on the writer's side and the, um, the actor's side. Uh, these are very real issues. What are uh, repeats looking like? What are residuals looking like? These are very, very different when now uh, an increasing amount of people are watching these programs in a streaming environment versus on a linear television uh, environment, which is what the business has been predicated on until now. How many entertainment or scripted entertainment shows are still on linear TV? I mean, if you look at the schedules for ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, uh, a lot of their scripted programming has migrated to a streaming service. It's a lot of sports. It's a lot of reality. It's a lot of news. Is that the future of network television going forward? Is that it's going to become kind of what radio had to become once the uh, scripted shows uh, migrated to television in 1960? I think the beginning of the model when streaming became kind of a real thing was to debut something on a broadcast or a cable network, a linear proposition, and then have that repeat or availability after the fact in streaming, almost like as a, as a catch-up or as a backwater or as a, as a last-ditch uh, effort to, to be able to find that show. I think now that model is absolutely changing and evolving quickly where – why can't it debut on streaming first? And then perhaps a few months later, it'll be on broadcast for the general populace to see who didn't see it via a paid subscription prior. So I think you're seeing a lot of changes to the uh, the proposition, the models, and where something starts uh, may be the economic uh, uh, question uh, to figure out. And it could start in streaming and go to broadcast and vice versa, depending on the quality of the show and how the economics of the show are put together. And then very quickly, Tim, on the consumer side, if uh, if you are a TV viewer, instead of just getting one cable subscription every month, uh, you're going to be juggling three or four different streaming subscriptions and adding and subtracting based on the shows you like. Yeah, and I think on a, on a constant basis where you're uh, changing perhaps by summer or winter, depending on sports and that kind of stuff, yes, variably going forward for sure. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead on this Personal Finance Wednesday, the scoop on getting financial advice from social media. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply this is chicago's news traffic and weather station news radio 105.9 the wbbm noon business hour continues 
Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden will travel to Hawaii next week to get an in person look at the wildfire devastation in Maui. This is Bernie Tafoya. A Chicago alderman urges residents to contact federal representatives over migrants housed at a Streeterville hotel. Personal Finance Wednesday seeking advice on money and investments through social media. Halloween may be two and a half months away, but the spooky merchandise has been on store shelves for weeks. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 94 points. The NASDAQ is down 99. The S&P 500 is down 18. We have 77 degrees right now at O'Hare under mostly sunny skies going up to 83 today. Sunny and pleasant. It's 1231 topping our news at the half hour. President Biden and the First Lady will get a first-hand look at damage from the Maui wildfires next week. The details from CBS News correspondent Linda Kenyon. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says the Bidens will travel to Hawaii on Monday, where they will meet with first responders and survivors. They also will meet with federal, state, and local officials to discuss current and future steps in the recovery effort. The president earlier said he would wait to travel to Maui during the initial disaster response so as not to get in the way of the rescue and recovery efforts. He has now been advised that those efforts are expected to be at a stage early next week to allow for the presidential visit. Linda Kenyon, CBS News, the White House. A Northside alderman tells residents he's aware of issues surrounding the housing of migrants at a hotel in the Streeterville neighborhood and is urging residents to contact federal lawmakers about the situation. Alderman Brian Hopkins says in a letter to residents that some of the problems that have been reported to his office and that his staffers have seen around the Inn of Chicago include narcotic sales, prostitution, illegal street vendors, and aggressive panhandling. The alderman says he's in regular communication with police and other city agencies about the problems, but he also says Streeterville residents should get in touch with Senators Durbin and Duckworth and Congressman Davis because the city is not fully able to deal with the migrant issue. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio 1059 WBBM. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Economics, based in Albany, New York. Hugh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, markets started off uh, in positive territory, but now uh, they're selling off once again. Uh, what is driving this sudden about face? Uh, Rob, we've got some news out today that was very, very strong. On top of the retail sales numbers that we saw for the month of July, which were up 0.7%, exclude autos up 1%, well above expectations. Today we had industrial production up 1%, well above expectations, and housing starts also increased significantly. And as you might expect, in response to the strong economic numbers, we saw a rise in interest rates, the yield on a 10-year Treasury going up uh, fairly sharply. And I think what investors basically are worried about or concluding is that with these strong numbers, it looks as though there's a possibility, maybe even a strong possibility, that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates further, that they'll go beyond that 5.375% number that they uh, set in July. And they're going to be going as high in September, maybe, maybe as high as uh, well over five, uh, five and a half percent. And the worries is that that eventually will catch up with the economy. So uh, interest rates are the focus. Federal Reserve policy is the focus. And there are worries about both. 
The uh, Fed minutes come out later today, and of course, uh, the Fed watchers are going to be parsing uh, every word, phrase, participle, period placement, things like that for signs of uh, what the Fed is going to do. But it seems up until now that uh, the possibility of an interest rate hike in September was relatively low and that the Fed doesn't enjoy throwing curveballs at the markets. Yeah, I think that's right. That's the consensus. And I would say that was the consensus before we started this week. But let's keep in mind that in the month of July that the uh, uh, year-over-year inflation numbers, consumer and producer price numbers, came in a little bit higher than the June number. That was troubling, not deeply troubling, but somewhat troubling. And now, of course, we've got these strong economic numbers. So you've got two camps in the Fed, and that'll be pretty clear when we take a look at the minutes of their meeting. And those two camps, one camp saying higher for longer, no increase maybe, and then there's another group that will be saying, let's take a look at more data. And uh, so I think we're going to see two camps. Some want to move higher and some want to sort of hold the line or pause in September. I think it's going to be an extremely, based on this numbers we saw today, it's going to be a very close call, hard to predict. Talking to Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer with Hugh Johnson Economics based in Albany. Uh, very quickly, Hugh, when it comes to uh, the possibility of an interest rate cut, are, are the odds uh, so remote as to be non-existent at this point? Not non-existent, but it's been pushed out to the second quarter of 2024 at the earliest. And it's very disappointing because, generally speaking, the consensus had been talking about the rates will be cut in the first quarter. Now we're talking second quarter at the earliest and maybe even beyond that. But keep in mind, Rob, as you well know, these numbers are very, very volatile and the consensus can change overnight. Hugh Johnson of Hugh Johnson Economics in Albany, New York. Thank you for joining us today. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Summer is winding down, and one of the biggest events of fall is about 10 weeks away, but stores are already ramping up for Halloween. We're joined by Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors and formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us based in Vero Beach, Florida. Jerry, thank you for joining us today. And refresh my memory here. How does Halloween stack up to Christmas in terms of the amount of money shoppers spend at stores leading up to the holiday? Well, it's not nearly as big. I mean, you know, uh, shoppers do spend, though, about $11 billion on Halloween goods. And most importantly, it's kind of traditionally been the kickoff to the holiday shopping season. But what's happening now is people love Halloween so much and it's growing so fast. They're actually starting, you know, as early as summer on getting ready for the fall. It's kind of crazy, but it's a fun day. And, you know, there's really nothing you know, to talk of between Easter all the way to Halloween. So why wouldn't Halloween move forward? Well, in, in some respects, this is like the Halloween equivalent of Christmas creep, where uh, when October 31st ticks over to November 1st, all of the uh, skeletons and pumpkins go away and are immediately replaced by uh, Christmas decorations. So it would this seems like the, the same type of practice where now we're talking about Halloween in the middle of August. Yeah, absolutely. You know, from the retailer's perspective, the summer is a big doldrums. And then back to school, it's kind of a holiday for some people. But some of us, you know, my kids are grown. I don't know about yours. And a lot of people are single. So back to school isn't an event for everyone. Halloween is the next big event. So the earlier retailers can pull it, the better off it's going to be. It's kind of like, have you noticed, as soon as Christmas is over, Valentine's Day starts. So it's like that. 
And, and then how much has social media changed these particular holidays where it, it's not enough just to have some decorations and get some costumes? It has to be a huge, elaborate production because you're staging it for Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. How has that changed Halloween retail? Rob, that's very insightful. Uh, the reality is that Halloween is one of the most photogenic holidays. Think about it. You get dressed up in costumes. What else do you do that? You actually wear costumes, right? You can be anything you want to be. And on top of that, there's all this creepy crawler thing and all the macabre on top of that. So there's nothing like Halloween for, for social media. It's one of the best holidays. Christmas is nice. Don't get me wrong. It's the best day for most people. It's very, But it's warm and fuzzy. Halloween is a lot of fun. Talking to Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors in Vero Beach, Florida. And then how has Halloween retail changed in terms of the products that are available? I mean, keying off of that uh, social media-friendly presentation that it used to be if you wanted to get Halloween decorations, you go to the pumpkin patch, you get the jack-o'-lantern. Maybe you get a couple of paper decorations to put up in your front window. Now you go to Home Depot and get the 25-foot-tall skeleton. Well, as you know, that Home Depot skeleton is one of the most sought-after items of the entire year. But, but the, you know, uh, candy is still pretty darn important. Right now, it's about 34% costumes, 32% home decor like your skeleton there, and still 29% candy, so don't rule that out. And I do have to say that the the 25-foot skeleton has become a genuine phenomenon. Uh, there was uh, somebody around the street from my house where the 25-foot skeleton went up on the first day of Bears season last year, and it was wearing a Bears uh, jersey all the way through the Super Bowl. Uh, other people have decided to uh, decorate their 25-foot skeleton for other holidays. The Halloween stuff goes down, and then the Christmas lights go up around the 25-foot skeleton. So this is just just another growth opportunity for the retail sector. Rob, I'm all in favor of it. You know, a little secret is Halloween's my birthday, so I love it. Well, let's let's just put it this way: everybody is shopping. They're buying Christmas. They're buying ho- birthday presents for you. Look at it that way. I do. Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors, based in Vero Beach, Florida. Thank you for joining us today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and social media, including TikTok and YouTube, can be very helpful when performing home repairs or fixing a car. But can it help you learn about handling your finances and investing? Welcome in Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions, based in Forest Park. Chris, Thank you for joining us today. And I'm sure you've perused uh, TikTok or they call it FinTalk, I suppose, or YouTube videos about money and investing. And uh, what do you like and what uh, what what turns your stomach? You know, social media provides so much information, some good, some great, some really scary. So it's important to vet the information. I mean, I start by asking myself if who I'm listening to or watching is really factual or are they just aligning with some preconceived perspective I already have? Because that could get you in a trick bag. Does that make sense? Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, the technology has changed, but it seems like the basic buckets of content have always been the same. Because if you had this conversation maybe 40 years ago or 30 years ago, we're talking about uh, radio shows. We're talking about Bruce Williams or Dr. Bernard Meltzer or the, the financial advice TV shows. And then the stuff that was not so good, maybe those late night infomercials with the guy who could tell you how you could become a millionaire too, thanks to real estate. 
Right. You know, I just started working with this 26-year-old. He has very good income, but he lacks understanding of his bigger picture. So he was having some fun investing money while he was following the advice of an online person he met. And frankly, he wasn't winning on every recommendation. He was winning, he was losing, but he was learning. And that was great. But what he missed was perspective on the impact of all the the decisions he's made so far. So for example, he didn't realize how vulnerable he was if he became disabled. He was so focused on the sexy stuff, you know, investing. And when he realized how little he really knew about his employer benefits, you know, taking time to review those, he realized how just unprepared he was with enough knowledge, but now he can do something about it. You know what else he found out? He didn't have enough emergency money. Oh, he was piling the max into his retirement plan, but at 26, you better have some emergency reserves. What if he loses his job or does become disabled? Make sense? And then the other part of that is uh, it's just the basics of financial education. Don't get uh, pulled in by the uh, the social media influencers. You see them on Instagram. Uh, I'm 26. I have a private plane. I have a fleet of luxury cars because at the end of the day, chances, all, chances are uh, all those vehicles are rented. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. The point is you really have to take a look at your personal situation and see what's missing. Plug the holes to get the best result. Chris Everett, so, uh, uh, Chris Everett, fiduciary financial planner and president of Everett Wealth Solutions based in Forest Park. Thank you for joining us today. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.